Man, what a, what a great way to start the day, um, singing about a song that's just about what we're celebrating this next week, the coming of a king. And I, I know for, for many of us, this is just a holiday, but at the end of the day, this is the celebration of a king that came to earth for you and me to lay down his life, to pay for our sins. And uh, we have the opportunity this next week to tell that, that story, the greatest story ever told to people who don't regularly go to church, which is what I love about this holiday. Um, you know, and I know for, for some of you, well, my name is Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, but, but here's what I love about this next weekend, and that song just kind of set it up. It's like what we are, are singing about and what this service coming up next week is about is, is, uh, is the greatest story ever told. And 50% of Americans, I just saw this stat yesterday, 50% of Americans are planning on attending church next, next um, Monday on Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve Eve. Um, 50% of Americans, which is crazy. It's, it's a really interesting time of year. It's different than any other time of year. It's really unique among all holidays. I listened to a pastor in Ohio um, named Brian Tome, and he talked about this, and it was really interesting listening to him. Um, but, but, but what he said, I think, was fascinating. He said, if you listen to like popular opinion, um, what they will say and try and get you to believe about Christmas time is that this is a time where everybody's depressed and everybody's down and everybody's stressed out, and there's so much pressure on everybody. Anybody hear that? Like, I, like I've heard that for years that this is such a stressful time of year. Well, let me just tell you, you're wrong if you think that this time of year is that. Um, the data does not prove that out. Um, there's, a, there's an article that came out in the New York Times. It says this, says over Christmas week, this is really fascinating to me, over Christmas week, searches for depression are down 10 to 20% below average, which is a highly significant difference. But it's not just anxiety that drops. It searches for anxiety and suicide plummet during the holiday season. It's an article that says what we are searching for. And I would just say this, if this is the most stressful, lonely, um, uh, you know, crazy time of year where we're all anxious and worried about everything, um, why would searches go down significantly? Some say up to 30% less searches for those things. Why would that happen if there was that time of a year? It's because it's not true. This is a very, very special time of year. So you don't have to go run around this week and go, oh, oh, it's Christmas week. I got a lot to do. I got to do stuff around the house. I got to go hang out with people that I don't like hanging out with, which is family some of the time. I got to do all these things and I've got to get gifts and blah, blah. You don't have to go around this week being that way. That's not the way everybody else is, even though like, like a bunch of movies would tell you that that's how it is. There's a, there's a research out by the Pew Research Organization. Um, and they find, and this is fascinating to me, I didn't even know this existed. Um, they found that there is a difference in the, in the daily misery index this time of year. Did you even know that was a thing? Like there is a daily misery index in our culture and the Pew Research Center like ask people about it all the time. Well, here is what they find. They find that this time of year is the least miserable time of year. Um, in fact, look at this chart. When you get down, when you get down to th at Thanksgiving all the way into Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, look at the drop in daily misery, right? Like we're just not as miserable this time of year, even though the movies make you want to feel that way. Um, it, it's like that is just not true. The data doesn't play it out. In fact, October 30th, a report came out, uh, which is just, a, just, you know, not a little over a month ago, um, scientists were doing a study and they found this. They found that people who put up Christmas lights earlier are happier. Like they found that. They said that, right? So all you people that put it up early, uh, it's like, you know, if you put up, and they say this, if you put up Christmas 
lights, period. doesn't matter when you do it. It improves your mood. How crazy is that? So all of you guys with like those do-gooder people next to you that put up lights on Thanksgiving weekend that you hate, um, they're just happier than you are, okay? Just period. Like they win. They win the game. Um, but but this is a this is a uh, incredible thing in our culture. In fact, beyond Christmas lights, um, they found that people who begin Christmas celebrations earlier are happier, no matter how they do it. Doesn't matter how you celebrate Christmas, the earlier you do it. So like, hey, let's start January 1, right? It'll be a great year next year. Um, but, but, but I'm telling you, that this is why. It's an incredible time of year, and I don't want you to let anyone or anything take the wonder and the majesty out of this time of year, out of your life. Don't, don't give in to anyone or anything that tells you that this is not a magical uh, time of year, more magical than Disney, okay? It just is. Um, but I think that's why this holiday lasts a month. Like, you, you realize that, that uh, I don't think uh, there's any other holiday that we could stomach for a month. Uh, but, but, how, but Christmas, we can stomach it for a month. And I know some of you, you start listening to Christmas music the day after Halloween, don't you? How many of you guys are Halloween and then Christmas music? Yeah, you guys need help. Counseling is available in the back after service. See Bill Malat. Um, no, it's, it's like I would never listen to Christmas music after Halloween. But you know what's interesting is I've gotten older after Thanksgiving. Um, I'm kind of okay with Christmas music. Um, in fact, you know, there's two radio stations dedicated to Christmas music that start the day after Thanksgiving. Um, they switched 88.3 and 107.7, switched to full-time Christmas music. And I'll be darned, you know, in my, in my, uh, my, old, my oldness, my, my wisdom that I've gained throughout the gray hairs that are on my head, um, I'm starting to listen to Christmas music kind of full-time right now, and I kind of like it. I, don't, I shouldn't have said that out loud, but I, I like it. I'm kind of like, man, it's getting me in the spirit, and I've been listening to it kind of since Thanksgiving. Um, like, it's, it's really one of the only holidays you can stomach for a month. It's a month of Christmas. Is there any holiday? That you could stomach a month of any other holiday. You give me a holiday that you could stomach any other month, uh, any other uh, time for a month. So let's let's pick Halloween. Could you do Halloween for a month? Because I know some people love Halloween. I love Halloween. No, you couldn't do Halloween for a month. You guys, are, let me just tell you why you can't do Halloween for a month. Um, it's because because really, uh, you 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 would basically blow your candy budget, and you would get sick of Timmy the zombie coming to your house every day asking for candy. You'd be over it. You'd just be like Timmy, shut up, go home. I don't have anything else because you'd be sick of it a month in. You couldn't do Halloween for a month. Pick another one. Valentine's Day, right? My day, Valentine's Day. Um, could you handle Valentine's Day for a month of, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you more. I love you more. Oh my gosh. No, I love you. Could you handle that for a month? No, nobody looks forward to Valentine's Day. I'm just telling you. Nobody looks forward, it, forward to it. In fact, we're happy when it's over, aren't we, realistically? Nobody gets to the day after Valentine's Day and goes, I can't wait till Valentine's Day comes around next year again. That was the best. Nobody does that. You can't do Valentine's Day for a month. St. Patrick's Day, let's pick that one. Your liver cannot handle a month of green beer. You can't do it. You couldn't do St. Patrick's Day. Oh, let's see what I got. Thanksgiving. Could you do Thanksgiving for a month? No, you'd be 300 pounds, period. You'd be 300 pounds. You couldn't do, you couldn't do it. I don't care. Well, you could. You just need two seats, okay? You could do Thanksgiving um, uh, for, for a month. But there's something about this holiday that lasts a month, and it's a good thing. Christmas music. You can listen to Christmas music and enjoy it for an entire month. So what is it about this holiday that depression goes down, that loneliness goes down? And the day that Christmas is over, we're many of us looking forward again to the next one. And it's a year away. 
What is it about this time of year? What is it about the Christmas story? Well, let me just tell you what I, what I think it is. It's because God's values are baked into Christmas. God's values are baked into the Christmas holiday unlike any other holiday. There's a lot of holidays in, in Scripture. God is all about holidays, but there's something really special about this holiday. Uh, there, what other holiday has the value of generosity kind of baked into it? It's kind of like in the middle of it. Like we give gifts to one another. We give financially more this time of year than any other time of the year. Um, it has value kind of baked into it. Um, we feel this pressure to be with family. Um, around this time of year? Why do we grieve when, when our family can't be together? It's because unlike any other holiday, um, this is like a capital F family holiday. Like you want everybody to be together, whether your family is your friends or they're your DNA family, it brings us together. Why? Because God is about family. In fact, Jesus, what we're celebrating, him being born, he's born into a family. Like he came as a baby with a mother and a father into a family. Why do people go to church more this time of year? Um, because the church is called the, the family of God. And it's just baked into Christmas. Family is baked into there. Poverty is a huge theme in, in Christmas. Uh, you know, it's like, how can I give and help people that are less fortunate than me? How can I, how can I bless them? We, we just gave a bunch of toys to Dillard Elementary uh, last week to just allow, allow families that can't afford to put a present under the tree for their kid to, to help them out and give them, a, give them something that they can give. Um, we just have this natural desire to help people this time of year. It's kind of, it's kind of placed in there. Singing. Singing at Christmas time, like singing is, is baked into it. Christmas carols, they're all about, almost all of them are all about Jesus and at Jesus's birth. Why, why do we do that? At Jesus's birth, a host of angels showed up and what did they do? They sang. It's like baked into this time of year. Christmas is just a different um, time of year. And it's just not the, the birth of Jesus that makes it special. Um, it's actually a story that's much bigger than Jesus's birth. Because, see, we celebrate Jesus' birth, but really what we're celebrating is a story that's much bigger than that um, because it's a story that follows a pattern that every great story has in it. Um, and I just want to tell you, all great stories follow a pattern. It has an established setting in the beginning, then a turn of events happen, and that kind of sets the plot. Then there's a journey to be taken or something needs to be saved, and then we love it when a hero shows up and saves the day. All great stories kind of follow a pattern every blockbuster movie follows this pattern. In fact, John Ortberg, he wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. He talks about what all epic movies have in common. And he says there's four parts to all epic movies. Um, part one is everything is right with the world. Um, part two is something bad happens. Part three is a battle needs to be fought or a journey needs to be taken. And then part four is a hero saves the day. And so this is what I want you to think. Because, because this is about all great stories, I want you to think of your favorite movie of all times. So I want you to get in your head. Um, the, movie that, the movie that if you were on a uh, Desert, deserted island, and you, they said you could have one movie for the rest of your life. This is the movie you would pick, okay, to watch for the rest of your life. Think about it, and then I'm gonna, on the count of three, I want you to yell that movie out at the top of your lungs. I want to be able to hear you. Think of your movie, the one, and even if it's one of five that are your favorite, just pick one and say it super loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Lord of the Rings. I heard that. So, so last service, one of the guys over here, he yells out, Jaws. I'm like, 
really on a deserted island, you'd want to watch that movie over and over and over and over again. Great, great choice, you know. Um, but so, so mine is Top Gun, right? So mine is Top Gun, favorite movie of all times. I would watch it on a deserted island for the rest of my life if I had to. Um, but it follows this to a T, okay? It's like everything is right with the world. It's at the beginning. Tom Cruise, he's this awesome fighter pilot, naval fighter pilot, and he's, he makes it to the, to the Top Gun class, which is the best of the best, and he's one of the best of the best of the best. It's like all is right with the world, and then what happens? Something bad happens. Goose, his guy that rides in his back seat, dies in an accident, and, uh, and, 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 and you know, actually Maverick uh, loses his edge. I don't know if you remember that scene. You've lost the edge. Like, he loses the edge in this really intense scene. And then, uh, then the part three is like a battle needs to be fought or a journey needs to be taken. Um, the Russians send a couple of MiGs out, and they're kind of making this big, uh, uh, you know, international uh, scene, and the Americans have to fly up and, and, and confront them and, like, get them back over on the Russian territory. And, of course, Maverick's one of those, but he's lost the edge, and he can't really fight, and he's freaking out, and he doesn't have goose with him, and he's got this internal struggle, and then over time, he kind of figures it out, he gets the edge back, and then he goes and fights, and like he runs the MiGs off, and he saves the day, and it's like every single movie that you've ever loved out of, in fact, I looked it up, out of the top 100 best grossing movies of all time, money-wise, guess how many of the top 100 follow this, this pattern? 100%, it's crazy, they all follow this, every single one of them, why? Because we long for this story. We need this story in our lives, and it's because it's in us. It's woven into the fabric of who we are because it's the story of God. It is the story of God. It is the story of the Bible. It's the gospel story, and it's written on your soul. Why does every movie that comes out that follows that pattern shoot to the top of the charts around the world? Around the world. Because that story's in you. Let me just take the gospel story. Let me just take the, take the, the gospel story in 60 seconds, and I want to use this formula. Everything is right with the world. It's Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with God. Perfect relationship. I mean, just every day, spending time together, walking with each other. There's nothing in between them. They don't know what fear is. They don't know what anger is. They don't know what, what sin is. They've never experienced guilt or shame. It is like all is right with the world. And then something bad happens. It's like Satan tempts Eve, and Eve disobeys God and ushers sin and guilt into the world. And shame happens. And, and arguing and fighting and blaming kind of comes between Adam and Eve. Eve and, and, and God has to remove them from the garden um, you know, because it's like they have to, there's a price to be paid for sin and then a battle needs to be fought or a journey needs to be taken. Um, that's the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. It's like he came to fight a battle that you and I are incapable of fighting and incapable of winning. We cannot pay for our sin. Jesus came because that journey needed to be taken um, here, and then a hero saves the day. What does Jesus do? He lays down his life for you and I and is raised back from the dead, defeating death. That is the story of the Bible in one minute. That is a minute. 60 seconds is the story of the Bible, all four parts of every epic story ever told included in it, and you, you, you are moved by that story 100% of the time. Why? Because it's in here. You were created with that story in you and to respond to that story because it's the gospel story. It's Jesus coming to rescue you. That's why Christmas is so special. It's like Jesus, God in the flesh, 2,000 years ago became small for a short period of time because he has a big vision for the world. He has a big vision for your life. And part of that vision is for you to be connected with him on a soul, heart level. 
And so I want to take a few minutes, and I want to talk a little bit of theology, um, and I want to talk to you about why Christianity is, is unique among all world religions, because I want to point to what's going to happen next week and why it matters so much, not only for you, but for, for the world in general and for this area. But, um, you know, the story of, of Christmas connects us to the story of Jesus, the, the Savior of the world. And the Savior of the world... Um, says this, he says, he says, I, I came into this world, I've given up my power, I've given up my seat at the right hand of the Father in heaven, I've given up the power and the beauty of heaven, I've given up being in perfection to come down into this imperfect, sinful planet, I gave all that up to come here, I gave up all the powers of, of being God, and I took on limitations as a baby, a helpless baby that couldn't take care of himself, and he showed up on our planet for the express purpose of giving up his life for you and me. Defeating death by his resurrection. Why? So that you and I might be saved. Saved from what? Saved from an eternity apart from God. So that you might be saved and have an eternity with God in heaven, not because of anything you did or could do. Um, you can't earn a place in heaven by good deeds. That's so clear throughout the Bible. You can't earn God's love. Um, you can't earn salvation. All you can do is receive it. That's, that, that, it's already been offered to you. God has already revealed to you how much he loved you. We talked about this last week, but let me just share with you this verse that just lays it out beautifully. And I want to point out a couple things inside of this verse. John 3.16, you've heard it before. We talked about it last week. Um, For God so loved the world. And I want to stop there and I want to ask you, what is the tense of that word? It's past tense, isn't it? God so loved the world. Past tense. I mean, it's already done. It's already, you're already loved. Love the world so much that he gave, what tense is that word? It's past tense again. God so loved, past tense, I mean he's already done it, that he gave, past tense, he's already given his one and only son so that whosoever believes in, what's the tense of that? Present, isn't it? It's a big deal how that, that change in tense matters so much. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but, but have, what's the tense? present, eternal life. What is that pointing to? It's like what has already been done in the past, the coming of Jesus on Christmas Day, born to die for you, proved God's love, past tense. He already gave everything he could do to show you how loved you are. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. He's already given you 100% of the love that he can give you has already been given. So that what? Present tense. When you believe in present tense, you receive present tense eternal life. It's like it's, it's a minor shift, but it is so important to you and I and, and our eternity in the story of, of Christmas that's the story of Christmas, an all-loving God willing to sacrifice his son for the sake of the world, which makes Jesus the ultimate superhero, right? Like he came to do what? Save the world. Like every superhero saves the world. No, Jesus actually did come here to save the world, save you and me. And he actually pulled it off, okay? In the movies, they just make it up. But Jesus, historically, we know he came to this earth. He did things that no one else did. He, was, he, he died on the cross and was resurrected back to life, and then ascended into heaven, all starting with this miraculous story that we're celebrating around this time of year. That's why it's so important that you and I this Christmas understand why this holiday is so different than any other one. So it was the coming of Jesus Christ, ushering in God's plan for salvation. Romans 3.21 
but now a righteousness, which is a right standing with God. But now a righteousness from God, I mean, he, God's given it, apart from the law, has been made known through Jesus, to which the law and the prophets testify. Basically, that's just saying, look, there's a righteousness that God has given to you that is apart from the law, and it has been made known um, through the law and the prophets. Jesus was prophesied hundreds of years before he showed up. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is such an important verse. This is why Jesus came to earth. It's really because you're a sinner. That's why, because you're a sinner. I know some people are like, I don't want to go to church because they're going to tell me that you're a sinner. Well, you're a sinner. Look, I'm a pastor. I'm perfect. I don't sin, but you do. And that's why I'm up here and you're down there. No, I'm kidding. Um, I would never say that and mean it because it's like, what is this verse so clearly saying? Who has sinned and falls short of the glory of God? All of us, 100% of us has chosen to go our own way and not God's way. 100% of us has failed the test of perfection which God demands. Which is why Jesus came. Verse 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely. What does that justified word mean? That, that God removes our guilt. And how much does it cost us? What's that word? It's my favorite word in the whole English language. Free. It's freely. He justifies us freely by his grace through redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God redeems us from our sin. He purchases us from slavery and frees us from the bondage of our poor choices. He paid our ransom. And then God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith. In other words, Jesus' innocent blood washes away our sins so that there's no separation between us and God. you got to realize that the, the, the story that we're celebrating next Sunday is part of that entire uh, journey that Jesus went on for you and me to receive what? A pathway, a doorway to heaven. A way to be with God for eternity. And it's very clear from Jesus' mouth that he is the only way. And this is where I want to I share this with you because I want to make something very, very plain here about Christianity. Because it's completely set apart from any other religion. Like, why are we talking theology at this time of year? It's because I don't want you to miss the significance of next weekend. In the New Testament book of John, Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he keeps describing the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples are listening and they're like... Jesus, how do we meet you there? We want to go there with you. Like, tell us the way. Give us the path to getting there. And this is what Jesus says in John 14, 6. He answered, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what is so clear in Jesus' teaching is that he is the only way for us to get to heaven. It's not the doorway of more good than bad in your life. That's not the doorway. Um, it, it's not the doorway of, of knowing the right people or being a part of the right religion. Um, none of those pathways get you to God um, because there's flaws with those pathways. And I'll tell you about them in just a second. It's really simply a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's accepting the truth of the story that we're going to talk about next weekend. The birth of Jesus Christ, born in a manger, the son of God, God in the flesh, that he was born to die for you. That is where faith comes from. That is the doorway into heaven that Jesus was willing to surrender his life for you so that he would die and you might not. And he, therefore, he is the only way into heaven. Now, does that seem narrow-minded to you? 
I know I talk to a lot of people that don't know Jesus and don't, don't want anything to do with religion, don't want anything to do with Christianity. And a lot of times they just say, that's just so narrow-minded. How can Christianity be the only way to heaven? How can it be just Jesus? That is so arrogant to say, and it's totally not fair. Like, why can't I get there however I want to? Like, I have conversations like this with people, and it's really interesting because I just say, no, you don't understand Christianity then. It literally is the fairest religion of all religions on the face of the earth. It stands apart. It is head and shoulders different than every other faith system that exists in our, in our, in our world. And they're like, what do, you, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, let me just tell you about it. That Christianity is the only religion that can make the next three claims I'm about to make. The only belief system that can say what I'm about to say and actually prove it and mean it. And this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion on the planet. First is this. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. There's not a single person that is excluded from Jesus Christ. Not a single person that, can't, that, that is excluded from being welcomed by the Son of God. If you look at every other religion, they've got all kind of lists of who can get in, who can get out. How to get in, and if you're not in, what's going to happen to you? And uh, some, some religions don't even really say that they really fully know how to get in. So you're not welcome or you're not a part of the right people group. But in Christianity, everyone's welcome. There's no other religion that's, that, that's fully like that the way that Christianity is. That's one of the claims. There's other religions that can make that singular claim, but not all three together. The second one is this. Everyone gets in the same way. Everyone's welcome, and everyone gets in the same way. It's through Jesus. There's no back doors. There's no side doors. There's no way underneath where you can dig a tunnel underneath into heaven. You can't catapult yourself over. It's not knowing the secret handshake. It's nothing. It's like there's, there's everybody gets in the exact same way through Jesus. How much fairer can you get than that? that everybody gets through the same way because everybody's welcome and everybody gets in the same way. And the third thing that, that just sets Christianity apart is that everybody can meet the requirements. Everybody can meet the requirements. Why? Because it's belief. It's simply believing. There's no other religion that is this inclusive of everyone. There's no other belief system that spells it out this clearly exactly how to get to heaven. I know there's other religions that say, well, your good has to outweigh your bad. There's so many problems with that. There's so many flaws because of the justice scale. Everybody's scale is a little bit different. And what if, what if you get 49.999% good and all you need is 0.001 to get over, but can't they fudge it a little bit? Like nobody really knows. Well, I love it because Jesus comes in and says, guess what? The scale's tipped one way. You failed. But I've come to this planet. To tip the scales the other way. You know what it costs you? Nothing. Just believe. Just believe that I am who I said I am. Believe that I did what history says I did. And believe that I did it because I loved you. And because I love you. That's it. That's what's required to accept the gift. It's belief in Jesus and then choosing to do life with God, with Jesus. And I'll tell you, that's why, that's why we give this time of year. Because of the gift that was given to us, that all we have to do is receive. And once you receive it, it's, it's, it's letting God's government increase in your life. There's this really cool passage in Isaiah um, that was actually written about Jesus 700 years before he showed up. 
So 700 years before, a prophet um, prophesied the coming of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 9, 6. says, for to us, it's a very famous Christmas verse, for to us a child is born. I think Charlie Brown read this one. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I know we roll right on past it in this verse, but what, what does it mean the government is on his shoulders? What government is going to be on his shoulders? God's government is going to be on his shoulders. And let me just talk to you about God's government for a minute. It's like God wants his government to increase in your life every day. That's what living for Jesus means. It's living in such a way that God's government can increase in your life every day. What does that mean? God's authority can increase in your life every day. God's influence can increase in your life every day. And I will just tell you, when God's government begins to influence your life and your daily decisions, your life becomes really strange. Like you just begin to live differently. Um, you will start to help people that no one else will help. When God's government starts taking territory in your life, you'll become generous in ways that are, are strange but inspiring to other people who don't give like you give. Um, you, you will see a guy taking advantage of a woman and you will not turn the other way and go, oh, I didn't know that that was happening. You'll actually be somebody that does something about it. And then what's fascinating about that is that when that person repents and turns and turns from that life, you will be somebody who actually gives them a second chance. Because God's government is beginning to take territory in your life. You'll manage everything in your life differently. Your relationships, your finances, your occupation, the way you work. You'll do it differently because of Jesus Christ and the message and the meaning of the Christmas story. Because God's government will be alive in your life and it'll help you now. Now, how do you access that? It's belief in Jesus, period. That's the beauty and simplicity of this time of year. Now, I want to tell you why I wanted to talk about this today. And there's two reasons why I wanted to lay this out for you, why I wanted to talk about the uniqueness of this time of year, of the month-long Christmas run. Um, I wanted to talk about that, how it's kind of set apart from the other times of the year and other holidays, and then also the theology of Christmas. And I want to tell you um, why I want to talk to you about those two things. I want to give you two reasons. But before I get to those, um, I want to do something that we, that we do here every week. I want to receive our offering. Um, and so, ushers, you guys can go ahead and prepare and, and don't come down just yet. But I want to take a moment and I want to talk about year and giving for a, a couple of minutes. And, and you, you guys know, we don't talk about this much. Um, we, don't, we don't talk about money a whole lot. In fact, we tell people regularly, hey, if you're new here, don't give anything. Um, and it's because really we know that a lot of people, I've talked to people I've, in the last six months that just says, oh, the church wants is your money. It's just a money machine. And they just try and guilt you and make you feel bad into giving stuff uh, to the church. And I know we know that people feel that way. And so we don't talk about it a lot. But, um, you know, this time of year, I want to talk to those of you that are considering making a year-end Christmas um, gift to Kensington. Um, because when you do that, you're fueling the movement of God in the world and right here in our local community, um, and, and you're helping us on our mission to reach everyone um, with the love of Jesus Christ. And I just want to tell you, every single dollar that you give, because people that give money um, and give resources are obviously most of the time looking for what? ROI, right? Return on investment. What's my return on investment? And so I, I thought about that this week and went, man, our vision is we want to see Jesus touch every single life that we can um, influence in this area. And I started looking at well, what, what's the ROI? If someone were to give here, if you're thinking about a, a, a year-end Christmas gift, what's your return on invest, investment? 
And I just, I wrote down a list of, of just what's so incredible that's happening around here. Um, today, after the service, we're doing baptisms um, over in the pool over there. And just so you know, it's heated. It's 82 degrees in the pool, okay? Might be 65 out of the pool, so we'll all be down like this um, so that we're warm in the water. But we're doing baptisms. When you give here, you're giving towards our mission to seeing people get to know Jesus Christ and then get baptized. Our 246 facility, we're set to open it up next month. Please, Lord Jesus, please, like, open this thing um, in January. We're hoping that this new building is going to open up. And those of you that have invested have invested into having a facility for the other six days of the week to minister to people. Um, the children in Dillard Elementary who are going to have Christmas presents under their tree because of those of you who have invested here. The 50,000 meals that are going to be going to Haiti in January through the efforts of, of this church um, and, and some other, other, other people that we partner with. The truckload of supplies that have gone to, to Panama City a couple of months ago uh, where we, we helped out people, the marriages that have been saved through the, the ministries of this church, the 25 families that received a Thanksgiving meal um, last month, the students who hear about Jesus week in and week out um, in Edge and Breakaway, the kids who are being loved on and taught right now over in K-Kids about who Jesus is, the Christmas services that we are putting on next week that we're hoping that, that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that don't know Jesus will come to and hear this incredible story of, of, of Jesus coming to earth to save them. Um, when you give here, that's what you're giving to. It's the movement of all of those things. It's a big vision and a big dream that we have here of seeing everyone transformed and mobilized. And so ushers, you guys can, can go ahead and come, come down. And, and I just want to say this. I believe that the mission that we are on is worthy of your investment. And I'll just tell you, just so you don't think it's like, well, you guys do this. No, Melissa and I are sitting down this week and we're just processing through and saying, God, what do you want us to give for this year end? Because we believe that this mission is worth our lives and worth your lives, and worth the investment. And so I just want to thank those of you that give already. Thank you for that. Those of you that are going, man, I'm not ready to give today, but you want to, the easiest way to give is kensingtonorlando.org slash giving on our website, and you can give right there online. But I just want to thank those of you. I think it's important every now and then to just stop and say, hey, there's so much going on that is outside of just this service that you need to know about. That you can feel like, man, this is worthy of my investment. So thank you guys for that. Now, I want to I give you two reasons why I wanted to take today and talk about the uniqueness of this time of year. And I want to talk about the theology or, that surrounds Christmas. Um, first is because I want you to understand the stakes of next weekend. There's a lot at stake next weekend. Um, there's a, lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of significance in celebrating the birth of, of Jesus because Jesus is the gospel story. I said it at the very beginning of the day, 50% of Americans are planning to come to church next um, Sunday and Monday. 50% of Americans, meaning this, um, you were given a program and you were given this, right? Your guess is in your program. I want you to grab these at some point. And if you didn't get it, I want you to get them when you walk out. What that means, what that statistic means is that there is a 50-50 chance that if you invite somebody, they'll say yes. Those are the best odds you're going to get all year. Let me just tell you, best odds you're going to get. It might be a little lower, but you got a 50-50 chance, meaning if you invite 10 people, there's a, there's a good chance five people are going to say, yeah, I'll come and come to church with you. I'll come to a Christmas Eve service. Like there's an opportunity this time of year that is unlike any other time of year, and I don't want you to miss it. 
So why set it up this way? As I need you to know that this time of year is different and the theology and the story of Christmas is a story that will captivate the hearts of everybody that hears it and it might take them a decade of hearing it before they receive it. That's okay. We're telling it next Sunday and Monday. Everything we do at this church, let me just let you know, everything we do at this church is, is, is so the gospel can be shared with someone who is far from God. Every single thing. Because the greatest gift we have to give to the world is Jesus Christ. We do a lot of stuff in the community. We do a lot of stuff around the world to help people in need. But the, the only thing that we have to give that's real value, that'll be valuable for eternity, is Jesus. That's it. And when you use this to invite somebody, you're giving them the opportunity. And somebody that doesn't know Jesus, by the way, because a lot of times we invite church people to church, like, because that's easy. That's like low-hanging fruit. That's like, let's like shake the branch. It falls down. Hey, come to church with me. Yay. Okay. No, I'm talking about, I want you to go after the ones that are at the top of the tree. The people that go, church, I don't need church. The people that are in your neighborhood, the people that are in your life and don't even realize that there's a story that's been going on from before they were born, then it's about them. And I'll just tell you this. There are people in your life, and I'll say this for me too, every single one of us, there are people in your life that are there, those of you that are Christians, that are there for you to be the tipping point in their spiritual journey. That's why they're in your life. Not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons that God said, you know what, I'm going to connect these two in relationship. Could be a neighbor, could be a coworker, could be a boss, could be somebody that works for you. And you're the tipping point. And you know how you, you, you do that? Hey, what are you doing next week? And then when they say, oh, I'm going out of town, you say, good, what are you doing the next week when you get back? The stakes are high this time of year. And you got a 50-50 chance, so be bold with these. I wanna, like, that's why I want to talk about it, because every empty seat in this room represents someone that God is longing to reveal truth to. Like, look at, just, just out of the side of your eye, you don't have to do it, but just look at the empty seats that's, that are around you, because we, we've got empty seats in the room. Every one of those represents somebody that God was longing to reveal himself to. Would you be the tipping point? And then the second reason that I wanted to talk about today and just lay out the theology of salvation in Christ and, and what this next weekend is and just the uniqueness of this time is I think maybe for some of you today is your day to accept the truth about Jesus for the first time into your life. Maybe today's your day where you become a Christian, like where you step across the line and you say, I believe this. I'm inviting Jesus into my life. This story that has transfixed cultures for thousands of years, that story is present tense, not past tense. It's present tense in my life. And maybe, maybe today's your day to accept Jesus. For others of you, today is a day where maybe, um, just maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you've never been baptized as an adult. And today's your day to go home wet because you're going to go, you know what? I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian a long time. My parents made a decision for me way back when, but publicly I want to com commit myself to Christ and let everybody know that I'm in on the journey. Um, you see, it's very, it's very interesting um, when Jesus was baptized and John the Baptist would come, come right before Jesus and he, they would take people and they would dunk them all the way out of the water and bring them up. And we still do that today. We still do water baptism. And let me just tell you what it symbolizes because it's just so unique of an experience. When we take people, we put them all the way under the water. What we are saying is we're saying, hey, my life, um, my life is crucified with Jesus Christ. My old self, the part of me that always does what I want to do and never does what God wants me to do, um, that part of me is dead in the tomb with Christ. And, it, and I'm raised to new life. 
in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. There's something powerful about doing that publicly and doing that with a group of believers. And maybe today's your day to accept Jesus for the first time, and I'm going to give you a moment, in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do that, but maybe today is your day to just finally um, say publicly, I'm all in on this journey with Jesus Christ, and you can go home wet today. We've got, we've got some people that are already going to be baptized, but I want to open it up and say, if you want to walk up and get baptized, we will baptize you today and allow you to just publicly say, I'm following Jesus, and it is awesome when that happens. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to... I wanna, pause the message right now, and I just want to pray because I think some of you, maybe even one of you in this room, this is your moment to accept Jesus Christ. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Um, Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that every week we get the opportunity to talk about you and, and, and allow people to hear the truth of who you are. Lord, I thank you for this time of year that is just different than any other time of year. And, and God, right now in the room, I pray for anyone um, in the room that's heart is just being moved right now where you are just um, creating space for yourself. And so I just want to, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, um, I just want to talk to you if today's your day, if you're ready to step across the line of faith, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to invite you to pray it along with me and make my words your words. You don't have to say it out loud. But just from your heart to God, this is, a, this is a, a personal moment with this God who loved you so much that he gave his only son so that through believing in him, you might have eternal life. And so if that's you, just say, make these words, um, my words, your words, and say them to God in the quietness of your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I believe what the Bible says that I can't get to heaven by myself and that sin demands a payment. I believe that you died on a cross to pay the price for me and then you rose again from the grave. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so I might have a home in heaven and as best as I know how, I'm asking you to come into my life put my trust in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'll just say this. If you just prayed that prayer with me, um, I want you to tell somebody. But on top of that, if this is your day to get baptized, I want to invite you to do that as well. Um, how we're going to end our service is we're going we're gonna to sing a song, a couple of songs together. And um, if, if those of you that are getting baptized, I want to go ahead and dismiss you to go on out um, into the lobby and get prepared for baptisms. Um, for those of you that want to get baptized over the next couple of minutes during these next two songs, if that's you, you want to walk up and say, I want to do this now. I want you to walk out these doors and go into the lobby. Bill Malott will meet you there. He's our executive pastor, and he'll get you all set up so that when we get to the pool, which all of you are invited to at the end of this service, service. I want you to go get your kids, um, if you have them in K-Kids, and you're going to walk past where Kids is across the parking lot, and you're going to go um, past those buildings. You're going to go around the gym, through the woods, over the yellow brick road, and you're going to come to the pool on the other side of the gym. And we're going we're gonna to get there probably about 1215, 1220, um, and, and, and we're going to baptize people that have signed up and those that walk up. But here's the key to this. Um, this is why we do 